you gonna do, brother, when the Hulkamaniacs... P, P, gosh. It's Squash Match, man. Just say welcome to the Squash Match podcast. Oh, uh, hey everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Squash Match podcast. Uh, Episode 2, Smirks. Episode 2, hopefully with a little bit of better sound quality this time. We're trying something new. Yeah, I think so. It sounds great at my end. Hopefully it sounds good in everyone else's. And before we move on, I definitely want to mention and throw out to my friends Backwoods Payback for our uh, entrance music that we have to the podcast. Yeah, so if you like what you hear at the beginning of the podcast, go on YouTube, check them out. And Smirks, am I correct in stating that they are friends of Baron Corbin as well? They are. They are. Uh, Mike's been friends with Baron Corbin for a long time, Uh, has been following him up through NXT and all the way to the main roster where Baron's uh, killing it right now. All right, so we're definitely getting deeper and deeper into the wrestling world as we progress. Yeah, Backwoods even, uh, some of their shirts are designed. They have an awesome uh, Balor Club style shirt they have. I mean, they're old school wrestling fans, been for a long time. Very cool. Do we have a website that we could throw out for the people for that? Uh, Or how are they best contacted? Best contacted through Instagram. I mean, if you just look up Backwoods Payback, they're always touring. They're always going around. They've been going strong for, what, 15 years now, uh, touring the country, touring outside the country. So, Hopefully, they'll be coming to your neck of the woods. Make sure you check them out. They're a great live band. Uh, Always a good time with Backwoods. Very cool. And I know how big you're into music, and you know how big I'm into music. So we have, uh, I mean, our first opening segment, I think what we need to talk about is one of my favorite wrestlers and has been for the last two, three years making his debut on Raw. And you know who that is, Smirks. Alistair Black. Alistair Black, and, and he uses a song that's performed by the band Incendiary, and at one of the NXT pay-per-views, this is probably going back about a year, Incendiary and Agent Orange were there performing his song live, and it's an awesome old-school, hardcore throwback song, um, and I'm just in love with his character and in love with the music. I love when uh, they use actual music. I mean, uh, Jim Johnston and I don't know how to pronounce them, the CFO Money Symbol uh, group has done pretty much all of WWE music. Um, But sometimes when they get a real band in there, it just changes it. I mean, Jim Johnston wrote the game for Triple H, but you put Lemmy Kilmeister in there singing it with Motorhead and it just changes the elevation of that song. Yeah, that song live is amazing. And obviously Lemmy's a metal rock god. But to have him up there playing Triple H into WrestleMania was uh I mean that was that that was one of the WrestleMania highlights for me of my life. Absolutely. Do you have any other uh songs that have been used as entrances that aren't uh written for they're not written for them, you know. They they use a already used song. I know you're gonna go CM Punk. You have to go <laughs> cult of personality. Yeah, I mean CM Punk, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I am definitely one of the dudes chanting CM Punk at live events. Um, but I'll tell you what, that as much as I love that song, and and I love it with him, you know, I, I'm not a big Living Color fan, so the song's iconic because it's with him, but. I will tell you my favorite entrance song, real song of all time, which just would blow me away and I would get hyped as hell for, 
would be ECW Rob Van Dam Pantera's, Pantera's Walk. walk. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dude, it's one of the best. I mean, from the second that dun 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 dun, dun like it just it's perfect. It's perfect. It hypes you up. Um I, I love when R V D came out to walk. It was just great. And let me tell you a, a quick funny story. Um because of R V D when I was a captain of my high school wrestling team, my junior and senior year, we used to run out to a song. And that was our song. And I picked that, obviously, A, because of my love for Pantera, but B, because RVD used it as well. It's great. It's perfect. I mean, and there's even wrestlers. I mean, there's a current wrestler I do not like. And we talked about her on the last show, but I do love her entrance music. Uh, Ronda Rousey coming out to Bad Reputation. I like it. Uh, I really like it. I hate everything she does once she comes out. <laughs> but when that song hits, there's something about hearing a song that's iconic that really makes you care and get excited and get invested. Yeah, that's when you know WWE went all in on her. When they paid those lights, you know, you've got to pay licensing rights for those songs, and they're not cheap because no, every dude, time it, that it's used, they're getting a royalty check. So you know when WWE committed to a song like that, that they were all in with Ronda Rousey. 100%. Now, when I'm sure that you fantasized about being a uh, pro wrestler, did you have a song that you were going to have zero entrance music? I mean, you, you say fantasize is like as if I've given up that idea. I mean, <laughs> why can't I be a pro wrestler tomorrow? I don't understand this. It's true. It's true. There's always there's always a dream. I mean, look at DDP. He started when? How old was he? Oh, he was like 30-something. Yeah. He was like 36 or 30, 33, I think, I, I, I believe, hearing on the Jericho podcast. He was something along those lines. He worked as a bouncer before that. Yeah, and he made it. He made it <laughs> yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, um, a, a song that I would pick. Wow, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, obviously, RVD took my entrance music. Um, Just Incredible stole what would have been kind of my persona. Uh, CM Punk stole <clears throat> my look, although he's a flabbier version of me with all the tattoos. Um, an entrance song, huh? That's a great, great question. I would probably I, use something nowadays by A Day to Remember. Okay. Um, what that would be, uh, I'd have, probably have to narrow it down between like four or five, but something with an enormous hardcore breakdown almost like the way seth rollins has his music now yeah yeah and i think See, i would pop up or come out like when the breakdown hit and then just you know go nuts with pyro and all that stuff there's a, a great song by motley Crue, but was covered by a small band called robot lords of tokyo of knock em dead kid Ooh. if you ever get a chance to go on uh look that song up knock em dead kid by robot lords of tokyo First second I heard that song, I go, if I ever do this, this is my song. Uh, just from the lyrics to the chords, it just it's a powerhouse of a song that it would just be a great entrance just to come out and go crazy. It would be it would be a blast. Now I wonder how that would work since you and I were going to originally be a tag team. Well, back in the day when uh we were gonna be the mix, I mean I was uh when we came up with this idea, I was four hundred pounds. You were a buck 20 soaking wet and uh we would have been i would have been throwing you everywhere it would have been a blast but now yeah. i've uh thinned out 
So I don't know if we have the gimmick quite so much anymore. No, we don't. Uh, however, we could both be on 205 Live. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> I went from Yokozuna to being on 205 Live. To Akira Tozawa. That's what you jump from. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's That's go fantastic. into the weekly recap. Uh, some big things happened on Raw and SmackDown this week. Uh, yeah. I know you want to talk about the uh, NXT call-ups and how Triple H uh, handled that. Yeah, so let me get this off my chest. First off, I appreciate Triple H for what he's done for wrestling over the last seven years. 100%. I am an enormous fan. NXT is my favorite program on air. Not my favorite program overall, but my favorite program that has a television show. Four of my favorite wrestlers got called up to Raw. Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Aleister Black, and the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa. And I knew they were coming. I had heard rumblings, read the dirt sheets. A few of my friends actually texted me and said, hey, tonight's your big night. You're going to pop off like crazy. It's a, it's a mark night for you. And I got excited until I started watching the show. <laughs> Triple H gets in the ring, and I was like this. Oh, gosh. My hands, my head was, were in my hands, and I just said, he, he's just going to tell everybody they're here, and, and they're going to like walk out. And sure enough, he goes and shows a minute and a half vignette to this ridiculous crowd of Lafayette, Louisiana. The people did not – Deserve those NXT call-ups. They were zombies. They were comatose. And there's no more surprise smirks. What happened to the surprises? Worst, worst crowd reaction to that. I mean, just worst crowd overall in Lafayette. Did they just give tickets out to people? Did they even sell any to fans? I don't. I, I don't get it. I mean, for me, I, I'm not rolling in money. If I'm paying out for tickets to Raw, I'm going crazy the entire time that I'm there. I don't know why these people pay for tickets and then just sit there silent. I mean, yeah, maybe so, they didn't have the crowd mic'd properly. Maybe they were there live going crazy. But from the little bit of reactions I've read, what we saw on TV was the way it was. All right. They were not being excited. Okay. They, they, regardless if they were mic'd or not, you could see the crowd reactions. And you could tell it was people that didn't know wrestling. They didn't know who these people were. And they weren't going to get excited for a minute vignette. How I would have handled it, real simple. Don't let people know they're coming. Agreed. You, ha you, have, you have Ricochet come out. You have Ricochet help Balor. You have Aleister Black come out and interrupt Elias. You have DIY. Hell, you got DIY reunited with two belts versus the Revival. That was the match of the year in NXT two years ago. Yep. And there's no reaction. There's now, I understand why Triple H did it, right? Because Triple H wants people hanging around for three hours. And we talked about in the last podcast, how do you get the numbers up? Well, in Triple H's mind, it's announced everybody that's going to be on the show and then make you wait around for them to pop up. Yes. But there's no excitement anymore. I mean, look at a couple years ago when Kevin Owens came out and the pop that he received and how crazy it was to see Owens from NXT. I mean, granted, he was the NXT champ, had the belt, brought the belt with him. But it just the, – the pop that he had and the impact that he had was crazy and the audience ate it up. And this way just seemed very lackluster. Just 
okay, here, these guys are going to be wrestling tonight. And and from my perspective, I'm not even sure if they are complete main roster call-ups anymore. Are they going to be on every show? Was this a one-off to promote WrestleMania season the night after a pay-per-view to kind of capitalize? What's going on with their belts that they currently have in NXT? Are they exactly. going back and forth? Exactly. Um, well, let, let's let's instead of talking about all of Raw because so much happened, let's we could talk about all the call-ups and how they did. Okay. Um, on their first main roster. I mean, Ricochet and Balor had a heck of a match. I think that um, was a great spot for Ricochet to have him with Balor against such a monster heel in Lashley. Um, you know, and Leo Rush. I think that was a good mix. Now, you and I talked before and while this happened, and you said, man, like Ricochet's insane. A bunch of my friends said, dude, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I'm going, and I'm, again, kicking myself going this dude you could tell was nervous a bit i give that a four and a half out of ten for a ricochet match i agree the one thing i loved about it though was that uh i mean i'm not saying bowers you know strong style but he has weight to his moves and pairing yes. him and ricochet together because ricochet my biggest complaint has always been there's not a lot of weight to his moves understand um when he did the flip off the barricade and then Balor came with the drop kick, that was perfect. I mean, that move of, com- move of the night. Move it of it the combined night. athleticism with power, and it just, I thought that they were flawless together. If I didn't want Balor to get a strong individual push, I would be fully leaning into they need to be a tag team. Oh, they would be, I mean, that would be phenomenal. But, I mean, I, I want him to hold that Intercontinental Championship. I want him to, you know, hold that fighter's belt. And uh, although he did make a weird mention, um, kind of off topic, but he made a weird mention while talking about the Intercontinental belt, about how he wanted to live up to all the different wrestlers of the past. Yep. yep. He mentioned Ric Flair. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Ric Flair <laughs> didn't have the Intercontinental belt until he was like 63. Uh, yeah. And, well,. <laughs> And, and he did have it, but everybody else that he mentioned literally was like a great technical wrestler at the time. Yes. And Ric Flair at that point in time, if you remember Smirks, was uh, elbow dropping and knee dropping his suit jacket in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Favorite Ric Flair moment is he's the only guy who can cut a promo and blade himself at the same time. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> he – is the only guy that could give a suit jacket a five-star match. (laughs) I I just, I could watch Ric Flair. I mean, honestly, him with the suit jacket is a better match than a lot of things I've watched in WWE over the years. So uh, let's, let's go back to the technical wrestling though. Let's talk about DIY versus revival. Okay. So you liked, uh, just to recap real quick, you liked Ricochet coming in. I liked Ricochet coming. I just don't think it was his best performance. I agree. Okay. Uh, DIY versus The Revival. Give me your thoughts on that. Uh, I loved it. I don't always love um, super technical. You know, they start off with the grappling. Um, I like just, you know, I don't know how to say this without just saying it. So if I want to watch wrestling, wrestling, I'll go watch Greco-Roman wrestling. Mm. And I get a lot of people love that. Uh, so not everything I expect to be for me. Um, but 
they built the match. They they sold it. I don't think it was anywhere near two years ago when they had their match. Not at all. Uh, but they're able to tell a story, and I love that. Um, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was a great introduction for them. Um, and I think that if they stay on the main roster, I, I don't know how they're going to handle that. But I see right now the tag division's really lacking. Yeah. Um, and I think they could really bring some strength to it. Yeah, I like the match. I am an enormous Revival fan. I am an even bigger DIY fan. When they broke up, I hated it, but then I loved the route that Ciampa and Gargano took for themselves. I love what they've taken themselves into, what they've made themselves into. Um, I just felt like the crowd was so dead for those four that the match was completely undervalued on the card that night because they weren't getting the pops for the false finishes or the hot tags or the technical moves that they were doing. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, WWE leans so hard on the entertainment, okay? Now, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, and they got in trouble a couple years ago for piping in sound uh, during football games. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Why is, like, when you have a crowd like that, they notice it in the first 10 minutes of the show. They can adjust that. Why not for the TV audience do something? So that way, yeah, the crowd might not be hot in Lafayette, but at least for the people watching on TV, they have a little bit of pop when they get the hot tags. They have a little bit of shock when they do the near falls. You know, if you're going to lean into entertainment, lean into entertainment. Yeah, I just think overall it just wasn't the best arena or part of the country to debut such niche guys. Why will, not do it in Chicago? Why not do it in Philly? Why not do it in New York? Will Raw or SmackDown ever go back to Lafayette? <sighs> um, based on the reviews of this Raw, no. A- am I privy to ticket sales and merch sales? No. I mean, you might th- – see, the thing is with some of these towns and these small cities that they go to – if they hit them once a year or once every other year, the people are thirsting for it. So their merch sales might be through the absolute roof. You know, The venue might make so much money that it almost – it would be crazy for WWE not to go back. But as far as a crowd reaction, I mean I think Vince and Triple H are sitting in the back going, oh, like geez, did, did we paper this place with just corpses? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, get, let's keep moving on. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it already, but Alistair Black's entrance. Greatest I mean, entrance in, in wrestling today. It, it's it's half Undertaker, half the brood, half his own. Like It just it elevates him. And just by having that little subtle rising up with a couple candles, it makes him so much more unique and so much stronger and looks so much more elevated than really – most other people on the roster. Yeah, could not agree more. Um, also, I mean, his match, I've watched a few of his matches. Um, I'm not an Alistair Black expert. You, every time I come over, you're telling me about him and how much you love him. I see why you're saying it, man. Uh, to end it with the uh, his Black Mass kick, the one thing I loved about it is I hate the slow-mo, fast-mo that they do in uh, replaying on WWE. Uh, 
they slow mode the entire thing and they slow mode Elias's cell all the way to the ground. I mean, that kick looked like it knocked him completely unconscious. That it was, was great. A great piece of videography. 100%. I mean, it looked strong. It looked devastating. Um, it was everything you want in a finisher. I could not agree more. His finisher is fantastic. You know it's a finisher, right? Yep. There's some guys where they hit something and you're like, ooh, does he have another move left or is that it? Oh, that's it? Uh, okay, I can buy it. This, you don't have to suspend belief. Yep. You get hit with that from an actual kickboxing champion, which he was. You get hit with that, you're gone. I hate to be the guy on this podcast that is always um, – cutting on the WWE and whatnot, but I could not have been more upset with the way that they presented Aleister Black on Monday Night Raw. Explain. You just talked about his entrance. You made phenomenal points. I agree 100% with every single one of those. My biggest disagreement is the way they used him. You talked about him being like the brood, like the undertaker, mysterious, but a little bit of his own self. Why do you give a guy who all, who more than likely is not the greatest on the mic, right? I'll allow that point to slip in even though I'm an enormous fan. He's not the best. Why do you give him the opportunity to cut an awful promo against a guy that is phenomenal on the mic in Elias? Just let the man's actions speak for themselves and let people, you know, guess about him. Don't give them too much like they did. Yeah. I mean, look at some of the greatest wrestlers in history. There's, there's very few that are great on the mic and great in the ring. Correct. Uh, and that's a very rare thing. The ones that are great in the ring don't cut long promos. They say little bits, you know. Then you have people who are great on the mic. You look at Jake the Snake. Not the most technical wrestler ever. I think we can be fair saying that. That is fair, even though we love Jake. Oh my God, I, I love Jake the Snake is literally one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Not because of his wrestling, but because that man on a mic is amazing, right. absolutely amazing. Um, but they don't have to cut these huge promos, and they don't always have to say why they're there. They can say it in their actions. That's what wrestling is. Right. Why couldn't Aleister Black come out, brawl for a little bit, and then out of nowhere hit him with Black Mass? Don't even pin him. Leave him there. Just walk away. Well, or, or go into his little um, yoga sit in the middle of the ring just staring him down, and then the house lights go black. Then when the house lights come back up, Aleister Black's gone. Elias is like, what the hell? Hit me. And people are like, that's my dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll save we'll save all our Monday uh, under all our Monday morning booking for uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. But uh, I think we all can agree that it's exciting to see the NXT guys come up. I love it. They could have handled it better, without a doubt. Um, but there's future. There's there's promise in what they're going to do there. Um, let's move on to SmackDown. Uh, okay, so you you got to tell me about this, dude. What is Kevin Owens doing? What, I don't, what's going on here? I don't know. I don't know what the gimmick is. I don't know where they're going with it. Um, they have two current gimmicks 
that I do not understand where they're going to go with this. Uh, <laughs> and they were both on SmackDown. <laughs> they were both on SmackDown. I mean, Lacey Evans doing her walk to the ring and back. Okay, she distracted um, the women in the ring. But is that all she's going to do? And right. then Kevin Owens' family man sending in videos. I, I mean, where is this going to go? Uh, I, I have, you know, different thoughts of what it could be, but I'm just going to sit back and kind of wait. And, uh, I hope this is a story that WWE doesn't, you know, botch, but who knows? It could be leading to something really compelling, or they could be just kind of saying, Hey guys, don't forget about him. He's, he's coming back from injury soon. Um, I just really don't know where they're going to go with it. I like the premise of the WWE keeping him relevant giving us these videos, and maybe, maybe finally, this is a slow rollout, a slow reveal. And maybe this is the one time in the last year where we're actually guessing about things, where it's not, because, you know, a lot of times the WWE just throws things completely out there because the fans they think are stupid, you know, and they're just wrestling fans, and they won't buy into storylines. Maybe this is their first attempt this year at trying little storylines that are going to build to something big. I sure hope it is. Yeah. Um, let's go just, let's go to the main event. Um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't been watching a lot lately, but the six man tag matches, oh. are, are they still happening all the time? Dude, not only are they happening all the time, but you are literally getting the same matches on Monday night raw and SmackDown Live on Tuesdays that you get at a pay-per-view. Why are we doing this to our fans? I don't I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about the end. I think Kofi versus Daniel Bryan at Fastlane is going to be one of the highlights, if not the highlight of that night. It's the reason I will be tuning in. The only thing I'm afraid is that they're going to do some kind of Scrooge like screwy ending and uh they're just gonna push off the feud until mania i'd like to see you know maybe that feud grow but not through you know a count out or something stupid like that i'd really like to see um i'd like to see what they're gonna do with it i just i have reservations at uh what they've done in the past and me getting my hopes up and then seeing what they actually do. I think that's the biggest thing. You just have to not get your hopes up. And it's so hard not to, when they give you these little tidbits of things that you think could be great. And then all of a sudden they're like, eh, we dropped the ball, whatever. We'll move on to the next night. Yep. But to go back, these, these six man tags, dude, we talked in the last pod about how many hours of wrestling there are a week. And if you are going to make me or or want me to watch so many hours of wrestling, why are you not presenting something new to me? Why do I have to relive the same night over and over and over? Yeah. And I mean, I talked uh, last week about how many wrestlers there are, and maybe this is the problem with that. They have so many wrestlers that the only way they can get them all on the show is by doing six-man tags and you know things like that, but... It's just – it's the same thing. Give, give us something new. Give us a couple weeks off from somebody and then bring them back stronger. You know, We don't need to see every single wrestler every single night. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not the way you keep fans tuning in. But 
you know, the, the e-machine keeps on rolling and they keep on making money. And as long as the stock's up, Vince is a happy man. Yep. Yep. Now let's talk about uh, some other news going on. Ty Dillinger. How about that, dude? Just overnight breaking. Yeah. I mean, we got him. We got Ambrose. I mean, how many of these guys do you think are defecting to AEW? I don't know, but I'm telling you this. I am going to contradict the words I just spoke about a minute ago of not getting your hopes up. AEW is literally getting my hopes through the ceiling. You you have The Undertaker at StarCast, uh, the fan exhibition there, and it's basically a quote-unquote AEW event, even though it's not completely run by them. Every AEW guy's there and The Undertaker's there. You have Ambrose asking for his release. You have Ty Dillinger asking for his release. I think a lot of these guys, even though maybe they're making decent money in the WWE, see greener pastures, more TV time, um, a higher spot on the card over in AEW. And I really think, my man, I really think AEW might be onto something. And I think they could be the alternative organization that we have been dying for for the last decade. I mean, and to be honest, we need it. Uh, WWE needs it. They can uh, say all they want. They've been just as strong since the Monday Night Wars, but everybody can agree. The Monday Night Wars are what drove WWE to the biggest they ever were. Um, If it wasn't for all the territories back in the 80s, they wouldn't have pushed so hard to become unique. If it wasn't for WCW in the late 90s, then they would not have gone as hard as they did to become so huge. And they've maybe gotten a little comfortable. And they need AEW to come in. And they need to say, okay, we need to step our game up now. We can't do the six-man tags every week. We can't do the same matches. We have to do something unique and special uh, in order to compete with this. I feel like they have been stuck in ice for the last 10, 12 years. You know? There, I mean, let's put it this way. I literally stopped watching Raw and SmackDown two years ago. I just started watching. I feel like not much has changed. There's a couple new faces, a couple faces I remember that aren't there anymore. But for the most part, it's the exact same. Yeah. I think AEW might be that that fire underneath this iceberg that the WWE is stuck in um, that starts to melt away at their stranglehold and forces them to change. And, and, and change can be a good thing in the wrestling business as we've seen in the past. And I don't know if uh, Big Vince is scared, but I think Triple H is. I think he knows what's going on. I mean – Look at what they uh, – I don't know if you read what they offered the Young Bucks, the whole invasion angle that they were going to do for uh, Mania 35. Yeah, that's a great segue. Let's get into that because I am an enormous Being the Elite fan. I am an enormous Bullet Club fan. I am an enormous Ring of Honor New Japan fan. This is kind of the first show where we actually get to talk about it a little bit and not spend so much time uh, on the E. So yeah. go ahead and explain to the people that might not be so up on the quote-unquote indie scene in wrestling uh, what we're talking about. Well, I mean, Young Bucks are the hottest tag team in wrestling. I mean, I'm going to the say they're, 
in they're the world. hotter than anybody in WWE. Um, they could sell out almost any arena they go into. I mean, what AEW sold out in how how quick a time in Vegas? In four minutes. Four minutes. They sold out their inaugural show in Vegas in oh, what is it May sixth, May fifth, somewhere around there. Yes, yes. I mean, Young Bucks are huge, and you know. The big dogs at WWE knew this, and they tried to get them in, and they offered them a – I think they quoted a very aggressive offer. So they're, they're throwing money their way, but it's not about money. It's not about money for a lot of the NJPW guys. It's not about money for a lot of the indie guys. It's about them wanting to create their craft and wanting to create it in the best possible way. Yep. Yep. Now you mentioned them being able to sell out. Right, so let's yep. get into the numbers a little bit um, because what they did at All In, their first pay per view, that the Young Bucks, um, Matt and Nick Jackson, as well as Cody Rhodes, did. They created their own pay per view. It's called All In. Uh, we're going back a little bit, September first of last year. Okay, they picked a great area. In Chicago, a wrestling hotbed in the country, they sold Smirks over eleven thousand tickets with Insane. no television, Insane. nothing but social media. The entire place sold out in less than fifteen minutes. <laughs> Insane. These and are I mean, three, that's what you- three people that your normal wrestling fan knows nothing about. But, I mean, that's also the day and age we live in. I mean, that couldn't have been done on the indie scene in the 90s. But because of internet, because of social media, they're getting their presence out there um, without the need for TV. Yep. Yep. And people are caring and people are, you know, you could go online and watch uh, a lot of their shows and you don't need to pay for any kind of TV subscription. You don't need to, you know, watch it on cable. You could just hop on and watch them, and they're amazing. Yeah, uh, go to YouTube and and YouTube being the elite. YouTube, their, you know, I I, I want to say television show, it's not, but YouTube, their YouTube shows, their videos, they're amazing with them and Kenny Omega. I mean, they get tens of thousands of views. They don't need mainstream media they're proving it now without having mainstream media they are doing amazing numbers you go to pro they're the number one seller the bullet club shirts the young bucks kenny omega the cleaner chris jericho cody rhodes hangman page uh villain club marty Skrull. you go down the list and those are like the top 10 sellers now you tell a wwe fan those names and they go oh i've heard of chris jericho he came out with a lighted jacket Y2J. (laughs) You show them being the elite on YouTube. You go YouTube all in and your mind will be blown if the only thing that you're consuming is the WWE product right now. 100%. Because it is a new age ECW. There's attitude. There's aggression. There's not so PC content. Yeah. But it's not – completely raunchy and awful like some of the old Attitude Era stuff used to be. 
No, in, it's it's the uh, it's the best of the Attitude Era. Yes, with the hardcore physicality of ECW and the technicality of NXT and New I was Japan. Gonna, I was gonna say like the technicality is what ECW. You and I both love it. I mean, you could go back watches, and, but at the end of the day, were all the ECW wrestlers great wrestlers? No. Uh, you take the technical ability of the wrestlers from NJPW and you combine that with the attitude of the attitude era and you combine that with the uh not extremeness but you know what i mean of ecw the intensity and you get this yeah and and don't get me wrong you know ecw had some phenomenally technical wrestlers but people weren't there necessarily to see them yeah, you know yeah. they were uh, they were ahead of their time with a lot of the lucha stuff coming over to the U.S. Uh, Malenko Guerrero, that three match series is just beyond classic. Dudes like Kid Cash were the old school two hundred five live guys. You know before two hundred five live was even a thing, they yep. really popularized the small guy in ECW. Yes. Um. But let's 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 keep moving along. Uh, starting to uh, starting to snow pretty hard here. So I see uh, that I see that. Let's keep let's keep moving along. Uh, big news, uh, big Hall news. of Fame. That's right. I got two words for your smirks. Suck it. I, I don't. I you might have to pay them for that. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I don't know if we make enough money yet in order to pay off the royalties. <laughs> you're supposed they can to st- ha- you're anytime that i go into a wrestler's catchphrase you're you got to stop me we can't I, pay I, for this stuff we cannot we can no. they can have 50 percent of what we've made so they can have nothing fair enough um so dx hall of fame um six members six members going in now the question is <laughs> which members Exactly. I mean, yes, they're the, if you, you know, off the top of your head, name the members of DX, you're going to get China, X-Pac, Road Dog, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Billy Gunn. Right. However. What, what about those little unknown members, Smirks, that, that maybe real wrestling fans won't know about? Let's give I the mean, people some of the other members of DX through the years. Well, there's uh. There's Mr. Mike Tyson. That's he right. He's one of the best. There's uh, Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. Uh, one of the uh, starting members, you know who that is? Rick Rude. Rick Rude. One of the first members, yet not, not, part, of this, not part of this DX. And what about our other two women, Smirks? We got, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blacking right now. We got uh, Stephanie McMahon and Tori. Stephanie McMahon and Tori. Tori, why did I forget about Tori? And there's also one other that I don't know if he was ever officially in. He wasn't, uh, but he basically Kane, was. Kane. That's right. When he when he was with X Pac, uh, X Pac, you know, brought him in, but then he was expelled from it like three weeks later. Yep. Yep. So let me ask you this: You're okay with these six going in, right? One hundred percent. They okay. all deserve it. So let me ask you this though. Now, Rick Rue was in for a very short amount of time, about two months. He was injured. He was about to retire, and Shawn Michaels brought him in 
to be his bodyguard. That's a pretty significant role that is like eliminated from history. There's nobody yeah. in the world that counts Rick Rude as a member of DX, yet he was a founding member. Yeah, but then he defected to uh, NWO shortly thereafter. Right, and and honestly, let's let's be honest. What a gig! What a yeah. gig for Rick Rude to go from DX, a founding member, to basically a founding member of NWO without having to do any wrestling. <laughs> it's genius. That's a gig that you and I could get behind. One hundred percent. Now, the the one thing I was thinking about with all this talk about <laughs> AEW. Um, the Hall of Fame is always a big night. Yep. People giving four-hour speeches. Oh, yeah. Hillbilly Jim does that best. Uh, and oh, you yeah, always no. got to love your mama. Always love your mama. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Billy Gunn, big member at AEW. Enormous. Head writer. And, and, you know, he's been out of WWE. He got, you know, kicked out, what, two years ago about? Yeah, got popped for steroids. Yeah. Now – is he going to be speaking at the Hall of Fame? And how much money do you think AEW wants to throw at him for dropping their name? I, I am – okay, so here's the deal with WrestleMania this year. We know that there's a lot of competing shows going on at that time, right? Yep. You've got AEW running stuff. You've got New Japan running stuff. You've got Ring of Honor running stuff. You've got StarCast, like I mentioned, that whole convention that is pulling The Undertaker. And I think this was WWE's um, response to that. This was them saying, hey, 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 you think these shows are going to pull from our fans? You think these shows are going to pull from uh, the Hall of Fame night? Well, we're going to get the most unpredictable crew ever, and we're going to induct DX. So I I have a few questions for you, okay? Here's my first one. Do you think that the five – remaining members that are alive of the six that are being inducted obviously china has passed do you think those five mention any of the other members of dx uh i could very easily see them mentioning it i mean if past hall of fame shows anything they're going to be talking for half an hour to an hour about it easily they'd be remiss not to mention it Okay, Uh now here's my next question for you. Do you think that all those surviving alive members of DX all talk positively about China? Uh, Yes, 100%. I mean, even Triple H, who we all know the history with uh, him in China, even him, they're going to talk positive about her. She's dead. Um, And they also want to cover themselves because – Let's be honest. China's blacklisted or was blacklisted because of, you know, getting herself involved in unsavory things. We'll leave it at that. Correct. Um, currently, Paige, who has a movie coming out this Friday uh, based on her life, over the past two years has done pretty much all the same unsavory things that China did. Uh, yet she's not, you know, blacklisted the same way China was. So I think they're going to. Um, kind of glaze past that. M- much like I'm sure they're going to glaze past the um, blackface that they all did when they uh, did the Nation of Domination impersonation. <laughs> I don't think is, they'll be mentioning that. <laughs> that is very topical. And I think if anyone ever mentioned that, they would just be like, we're professional wrestlers, dude. No one takes us seriously. 
I want to talk about that movie real quick for about 13 seconds and I never want to mention it again. Um, there's not many times in life that I feel like I've failed as a father. My son, my oldest son came up to me. He has a big rock poster in his room and he said, dad, I really want to see that movie with the rock. And I said, you know, the movie is about Paige. And he's like, yeah, I really want to see that. And, uh, I just feel like I've failed. You, you, know? you should, you should, uh, you should really hang your head in shame. It, it, it is right now. Um, I'm looking at the floor, but that's it. I never want to mention that movie again. I hope it flops. I, I do too. I All do right, too. So at, at the hall of fame, do you think, do you think Billy Gunn says anything about AEW? And if he does, do you think Sean or Hunter come back with some type of, you know, smart ass comment or something quick witted to denounce AEW. I'm sure they have that in their back pocket ready. Um, I would, I, they'd be so. fools if they didn't. Yeah, I would think they'd have that ammo. Do I think he will? No. Um, Hall of Fame's always been about the history, um, and it's always been very positive to WWE. Um, I mean, even little subtle things like. Uh, who was it that said, I really wish they would put the F back? Um, I can't remember. It was a couple years ago. Uh, honestly, I, part of me wants to say that was Cena. That no, that. no, it was an older guy. Uh, it it, it might have been. It might have been Warrior, maybe. I can't remember. Uh, it, it, how? How, Smirks? The Warrior doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He could not have put together, <laughs> I want to have them put the F back in it. There's no way. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Possible. Warrior cut the best promos ever. <laughs> well, hands down, because they were incomprehensible. <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He could say whatever, and you you just were hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, That's yeah. It. I was exactly in, dude, when, I, when I was a kid. I was in. You know, I was like, yeah, I, mom. Like, we're, I'm going to the moon and the place where only the warriors lie. And she would just look <laughs> at me and be like, oh, "There's probably something wrong with that boy." <laughs> and she was right. Probably. Uh, let's hey, go you, to. Uh, I, I want look, man. I want to know your favorite DX moment. Ah, uh, like I mean, were, it's got to be. If you were in DX and you were in the Hall of Fame, like, what would you talk about? What's your What's your number one moment, dude? I mean, I think DX's biggest claim to fame they they need to go with is they pretty much started the war of the Monday Night Wars by yeah. invading WCW in the tank. Yep. Um, I mean, that was a great moment that did everything great by taking reality, mixing it with kayfabe and you know, it, that was a changing moment. Uh, for me as a kid, I remember watching that and just eating it up, loving everything about it. Yeah, dude, they were like on an actual tank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was, like that's amazing. I, I just remember them banging on the doors like somebody would answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was a wonderful, wonderful moment. Uh it was genius. Uh, yeah. so that's definitely going to get mentioned. That's, that's my probably personal favorite DX moment. Um, I like that much more than the, you know, dropping poop or green slime on people. <laughs> yeah. Dropping but what about you? What's your favorite moment? P? Um, I mean, that definitely is, you know, cause there's so, and the reason being is, is it was awesome. It was unexpected. It shocked you. And you come to find out later that, 
there was the WCW guys who were like talking to Bischoff saying, hey, should we open this door? Like imagine on <laughs> WWE camera if some WCW guys opened that door. I mean like wrestling, who knows where it would be today? It would be, yeah. It would be, ah, oh, dude, that would be nuts. But here's, it's not, not a favorite moment, but I think of more along the lines of a forgotten moment. A lot of people don't realize that during the Montreal screw job, when Bret Hart was defecting to WCW and refused to give up the belt, and we all know he punched Vince in the face afterwards and all that stuff, Shawn Michaels was a member of DX. DX was was a group at that time. Like mm-hmm. they were feuding with the Hart Foundation. And then we know after that everything that happened and Vince calls for an early bell and Shawn Michaels wins and Bret Hart is pissed off and he spits at Vince and this is completely breaking kayfabe and a complete shoot, punches him in the face, drops him in the locker room. They all leave to go to WCW and they leave Owen Hart in WWE to feud with DX for a little bit and then Owen Hart falls by the wayside and then DX skyrockets, right? Yeah. And then they go to this invasion angle. But they were, they were a very big part of that Montreal screw job and I think it gets overlooked. So yeah. I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of DX is how many historical wrestling events they've had their hands in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they were a huge, huge, huge part of that whole Attitude Era. Um, let's, let's keep going to my personal favorite segment, Monday Morning Bookers. Yeah, you'd like to tell Vince how it should be and why it should be so. Exactly. I, I don't know why they don't listen to me. You know, I'm a you know, 33-year-old guy living in Pennsylvania uh, teaching. Why, why do they not go to me? Why do they not go to me? in your basement, you know? Much yeah. better than that. Yeah, so um, Fastlane is coming up. Uh, it's coming up third, in like two and a half weeks. Yeah, third tier pay-per-view if, if there's not anything lower than third tier. I was just going to say, is there a fourth tier? <laughs> it, like how many pay-per-views are there a year? 12? There's 12 it, a year. So this is a 12th tier. tier pay-per-view without a doubt. It is, it is without a doubt. Uh, I, I don't know the gimmick of it. I don't get it. Besides, they needed well, it's a, a filler. It's a fast lane, Sparks. Oh. Yeah. It's, the, yeah, it's yeah. your fast track, your inside track to WrestleMania. Yeah, how is it? Oh, no, the, they don't explain that. They just say no. uh, it's fast no. lane. So, okay. The way I would do this is if I was booking out the pay-per-view before Mania, this is the way I would do it. Now, Royal Rumble, you got two months before Mania. You win that. You get your choice of who you want to take on for the championship. Yep. Okay. That leaves the other championship still sitting there. Without a doubt. So I would create a new pay per view event. I named it and everything the Night of Devastation. Oh, oh, wow. Now, you just went all out. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is, this is all out. I have the whole thing planned. Um, now, I did steal this. Uh, basically, it is. If you remember the elimination chase in ECW, yep. Um, you can't do elimination chase after elimination chamber. Kind nope. of a uh, little too repetitive there. So that's why I went with Night of Devastation. But you can do the Night of Devastation. Yes, yes. So basically, the elimination chase took place over a couple weeks. Um, 
I would do this all in one night, kind of like the old UFC. If you remember when UFC first started, it was a tournament. 1996, I remember. You fought throughout the night. So this is the way I would book the pay-per-view. First match of the night is a battle royale. 16 men uh, enter, eight from Raw, eight from SmackDown. Now, you could do competitions at Raws and SmackDowns to earn a spot in this battle royal, but you start this battle royal with 16 uh, men in it. When there is four men left, match is over. Once the, once the you know, there's five in there, once that fifth goes over the ropes and there's four men left in the ring, done, match is over. Then we cut to match two, have like a women's tag match, something like that. Something for the guys to get their gas back up. Meanwhile, the beauty of having the Battle Royal first is you can give a lot of spots to a lot of the guys who are going to get eliminated, and they can work their gas and you know go crazy while the guys that are going to stay in kind of take it a little bit easier, a little bit more conservative um, with their stuff. So the second match is women's tag. Gives them a chance to breathe. Match three, fatal four-way. No DQ. Once one person's eliminated... Match is over. So now we're down to three. Fourth match of the night, 205 Live. Then we got the uh, fifth match is a triple threat. Okay? I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you. So the triple threat, again, once one person gets eliminated, match is over. So it's eliminating it down from 16 We had the Battle Royale. Now we have the Fatal 4-Way. We're down to 3. We have the Triple Threat. We're down to 2. Match 6 is a women's match, possible championship, something big. Um, Then the last match of the night is a singles. Winner gets the other championship match at WrestleMania. So these men have now been through four matches, battling it out all night. It gives you a chance to sell injuries. gives you a chance to... um, Tell a story throughout the entire pay-per-view. And then it ends with the person winning. I don't love number one contenders matches, but by telling it through an entire evening, I think it would be a huge sell. I like how in-depth you went. I like your passion. (laughs) I like your booking style. I talked about this about 45 minutes ago at the beginning as I don't want to be the guy that's always negative and always is the bearer of bad news. But you literally just described King of the Ring and the last NXT Worlds Collide pay-per-view. Are you serious? I did not watch Worlds Collide. <clears throat> I know you didn't. And, and, <laughs> and that's what's hilarious. So Worlds King of Collide, the Ring, the, the reason it is very similar to King of the Ring um, the difference is King of the Rings single elimination, um, but it's you know singles matches. Right. This this combines four different match styles and the doing it over one night, and then you don't have the stupid king gimmick where yeah, a guy no, still put on a crown I, and robe and all that stuff. I like the different matches. I I, I really do. I think it's a great idea. Um, I think it's too similar to what they've done, but it's different enough where it might work. However. You're talking about the WWE. Nothing is going to happen at Fastlane. We all know that. It's almost a throwaway pay-per-view. But Not almost. It is. It is the 12th worst pay-per-view they have. Um, but I'll tell you what. 
if they were to take your ideas and throw that into Fastlane, I think it would bump Fastlane up to about a seventh or eighth best pay-per-view. Because obviously it's not going to be one of the big four. No. Right, it's not going to be. So it's going to fall somewhere around Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, TLC. I think it beats out TLC. I'll give you the seventh spot. Okay. You're in. Okay. You're in. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. So let's, uh, let's move up the ranks, right? And right. we're going to talk underrated, overrated matches. All righty. Um, so we're just going to narrow it down to our uh, most underrated um, match. I mean, I thought about, uh, I thought about a bunch. Um, I thought about there was a great Triple H Cactus Jack match on Raw in 97 that I right. loved. Um, I look at the, in, like, the matches that started a bunch of things that people forget about. Like When I say first ladder match, your immediate mind goes to Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, but that wasn't. It right. was Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Uh, they did a taping for uh, a video that I had when I was a kid. I think it came out in like 92 or something. Um, that was the first ladder match. Uh, so that's, that's underrated because everybody always goes to Ramon Michaels, but it wasn't. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit more recent. Okay. Um, it's a match that nobody saw the ending coming. Um, and it had probably my favorite current wrestler uh, making you know his name known. I think uh, I know where you're going, but let the people know. John Cena, Kevin Owens, Elimination Chamber 2015. Not what I thought. Really? What did you think I was going to go with? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Uh, no, because that's not, that's not even overrated or underrated. I guess right? I was thrown in my favorite wrestler when you said your favorite wrestler, and I forgot about KO. But that's 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 a properly rated match. But a lot of people forget about that. A lot when I first started watching, um, not first started watching, but when I was, I've had ebbs and flows with watching over the years. I watched all throughout the Attitude Era. Took some time off. Came back and uh, immediately was anti Cena, like most older fans are. And then the more I watched him, the more I I, I like John Cena. I mean, yes, he calls his spots very obviously, um, but. He, the big match, John Moniker, it is true. I mean, when he does a match and he does it well, you care about it and it is, it is entertaining. And when Kevin Owens went over on John Cena and hit him with that pop up power bomb, it yep. was, I went crazy. I marked out fully. I think I still have some holes in the wall from when I punched <laughs> it in excitement. I mean, that match was everything I love about wrestling. And, now it's kind of a forgotten match. Not many people pay attention to it. But if you go back and watch that, that is a heck of an entertaining match with an amazing finish. All right. Well, you definitely kicked it off with a bang because that is exactly what we're looking for here. We're looking for phenomenal matches that maybe kind of fell by the wayside and people don't remember anymore. And that's yeah. a great example. Uh, now, what about you? What, what's your most underrated? <clears throat> All right. So my most underrated match, I'm taking you back 18 years ago. You got to picture it with me, okay? Okay. January 7th, 2001, I'm a, I'm a young 20-year-old, Hammerstein Ballroom, New York wow. City. I'm sitting first row, balcony, mezzanine, so much so that you can see me on the pay-per-view. I've got an orange Taz shirt on. <laughs> you had Steve Carino versus Sandman versus one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, just incredible, in a table's ladders chairs and canes match yes. for the ecw world heavyweight championship at the time steve carino is the champ now this match had 
everything. Amazing entrances, false finishes. I think it's one of the greatest ECW matches in history. But what it is most known for in my world is once the match is over, right? Sandman wins, okay? And then out of nowhere comes Rhino. And in ECW back in the day, you could literally just attack somebody and, you know, start a match. Yeah. That's kind of how <laughs> it was. So Rhino comes out and just gores the Sandman. I mean, he must have told him before that, look, dude, I'm going to kill you. Okay? I- I'm sorry, but I'm going to cut you in half. I'm going to open up your body. I'm going to sacrifice you to the wrestling gods, right? This is at the last ECW pay-per-view ever. Don't tell me about WWE-branded ECW. It's not real. Yeah, I'm talking Paul Heyman and Extreme Championship Wrestling. <clears throat> so in the Hammerstein Ballroom. In the Hammerstein Ballroom. So Rhino gores him in half takes the belt and looks up at the camera. Now I'm sitting behind, so I didn't see his face, but you could hear him. And he says, after destroying the Sandman, and everybody is left bloody in the ring, he says, if this is the belt everyone is willing to die for, this is the belt that I'm willing to kill for. The greatest short promo ever. I remember sitting there going, oh my God, this company will last forever. It was the last ECW pay-per-view ever. (laughs) 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 But it ended on a note that ECW should have ended on. He said, if this is the belt everyone's willing to die for, then this is the belt that I'm willing to kill Kill for. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great, man. That's great. See that that's what, and that's what like you know we say, you know we kind of get down on current product a lot. But one of the greatest things WWE has is on their network. I'm going to after I go pick up my kids, I'm gonna watch that match today. Yep. Uh, Guilty as charged, two thousand and one. I'll be watching that and just reliving that because I remember that uh, it was one of the ones that we did the. Uh, old penny trick for back in the day <laughs> yep for those who are old enough to remember the pay-per-view penny trick um we did that watched that match at my buddy ethan's house and uh, it was a great time um now we go to overrated matches um th- there's a bunch of overrated matches um you know in my opinion the it came down i narrowed it down to three and then i'll i'll say my number one okay but, uh, third is Sheamus in any match that's ranked above zero stars. <laughs> I mean, uh, all kidding aside, uh, he might be a lovely person. There is not one thing that interests me in Sheamus's promos, in his fighting style, in anything. Um, I, I just am not a Sheamus fan. I get some people are. Not my cup of tea. So I think anything he's in, overrated. Did you hate um, the old WrestleMania match where he beat Daniel Bryan in like 20 seconds? What, I think it was 17 seconds, wasn't 17, it? 17, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I do not like him. Um, I go, you know, Hogan, Andre, WrestleMania 3. I think I talked about this last week. Um, 
incredibly boring match. Uh, let's be honest. It has that great moment, okay? Him picking Andre up, choke slamming him, and then a leg drop. And other than that, not much going on. It, um, if I could jump through my computer right now and hit you with a Hasakajime, a Tasmission <laughs> submission sleeper, I would do that and put you out of commission right now for saying that. <laughs> Hey, hey, overrated is overrated to me, okay? And this one, you literally might drive to my house and uh, punch me in the face. I can't. It's snowing out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm actually going to use my favorite all-time wrestler is, in my opinion, the most overrated match of all time. And I think a lot of people will agree with me, and some people might hate me for it. But go back to WrestleMania 12 – Shawn Michaels, Bret the Hitman Hart, in the most boring Iron Man match I've ever seen. Fast forward, through, fast forward through 57 minutes of it. Watch the last five minutes, you'll be entertained. Watch the first 57 minutes, and you'll get a nice 57-minute nap. I'm going to 100% agree with you. That was an idea at the time that sounded amazing between the two biggest guys, two of the biggest guys in the company, and it just fell flat. Yeah, I think I've read that, like, you know, because I've read a lot about it over the years. I think it was a lot of their pride. They, they didn't want to have any falls to the other person. They didn't want to give up too much offense to the other person, so they kept it real tight. But it was just boring, man. Yeah. I mean, that's one that it is truly hard to go back and watch and stay <coughs> entertained the entire way through. That now, what about you, true. most overrated? So I'm going to use your – favorite wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels, in one of my overrated matches. And uh, it's only overrated when you go and look back at it. So I don't hate the match. I'm not saying that. I just think that it's so highly rated because of its contextual history and not how great the match was. And that was WrestleMania 10, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon ladder match. Yeah. And people, people love it and people, rightly so, say that it is one of the greatest matches of all time because it gave us the popularization of the ladder matches. However, it's, it's slow and it's clunky. And when you look back at it today through today's lenses, it's a match that might get booed. I don't know if it would get booed nowadays. I would boo it. If I pay enough money for a ticket, I'm going to boo it. I agree. Boo. <laughs> and that boo. is that is your God-given right as a wrestling fan that you should boo it if you want to. <laughs> um, I think you've been with me to enough indie shows where you've seen uh, I'm not afraid of making my voice heard. Boo uh, the bad guys. Boo the good guys. I'm just – <laughs> whatever's more entertaining at the moment for me and my friends is what i'm doing if that, booing is more entertaining than watching it i will boo away that is the heckle crew anthem right there <laughs> uh now since you know most wrestlers probably hate me when i'm booing them and they're trying to be the face out there uh let's go to who you hated this week this is my favorite segment because i feel like this segment matches my personality so well I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, there is one. Last week, I hated the entire WWE roster. This week, I've narrowed it down to one person. Narrowed to throw it down. My, 
hard thing to throw my vitriol and venom at. And who that sp- person who sparked your ire this week, <laughs> the the person that I feel complete hatred towards in my soul is none other than H H H Hunter Hearst Helmsley for Why? screwing up my four favorite NXT call ups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they botched it. They did. And now, part of me wonders. Was this Vince told Triple H? You know, nope, you, it's Triple H's fault. That's why I hate him this week. <laughs> uh, it's still real to you. You done messed up this time, Triple H. You done messed up. <laughs> you got pee from squash match mad at you. Now I, I'm going again. You you kind of stay with the. Uh, I, I, that's not really kayfabe, but you stay with no, the. No, he legitimately messed up. I hate him for um, this week. I'm going. Uh, I'm going again uh, outside of the actual in-ring. I wish that I could have them all line up and that I could punch every person in the face that was at Raw in Lafayette. I hate them Uh, too. That is my hate of the week is why would you pay your hard-earned money to go and sit there so quietly? You're not in a library. I hate them. You're at WWE Raw. Like – how are you not excited? How are you not going crazy? I've been at indie shows where somebody comes out and I don't know if they're a good guy or bad guy, but I'm screaming. I'm going crazy for them. I wait till they tell me to shut up or whatever. Then I'm like, okay, you're the bad guy. You know, you're the heel. So now I'm going to boo you. Or I wait till they start giving high fives to the kids. And I start cheering them because they're the face, but I'm going crazy because not only is it more entertaining for me, but it's going to make that wrestler work harder. And they want to get those reactions. It, it's what fuels them. You know, I just don't, I don't get why the crowd was so dead. But I hate them. It is what it is. Um, now, next week, uh, we're going to rank our three favorite finishers uh, and our three worst finishers of all time, uh, as well as our weekly roundup. And uh, we'll do some more booking because – you know, I got to have that. And of course, Dan, I know that you're going to have a new person to hate next week. I just, the hater is alive in you. I can't hate enough. It's just like hate, 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 hate. Do you know what I don't hate? Tell me what you don't hate. Train on Maine. Why don't you tell the people about it? Yeah. Train on Maine, one of our, our big sponsors. And you know what? They're actually going to sponsor some t-shirts. We're going to have a t-shirt giveaway next week. So Hit us up on our Twitter handle, at squashmatch underscore pod, and let Sparks or I know what your favorite finisher is. And we don't even want to know your worst one. We just want the best ones. But we want you to tell us why. Don't just, don't just tell us uh, the AA or the FU or the Tombstone. Let us know why it is your favorite finisher. And Trainer Mania is a great place in order to get yourself buff in order to perform some of these finishers. So if you're weak and you're not in shape, you do what someone like the Ultimate Warrior would do. You visit Train on Main at 427 Main Street, Stroudsburg, PA. And just think, you could become the next IC champ. Ask for our man Dan, and he will turn you into a real man like Becky Lynch. Their Instagram is train underscore on underscore main or visit them online at train dash on dash main dot com. Smirks, anything else before we wrap up for the week? 
no, just make sure you guys uh, check our Twitter out at squash match underscore pod. Uh, please send us your favorite finishers. Um, even you can email us at squashmatchpod at gmail.com. But uh, make sure you reach out. Let us know and uh, see if you can get your hands on a train on main t-shirt for their giveaway. Uh, I believe that's all. So uh, good work, ladies. Now wrap it up. Good night, people. You try. Yeah.